The following episode may contain graphic content and coarse language that is not suitable for all listeners. The opinions therein are solely those of the host of Serial Spirits. Listener discretion is advised. The global public is not ready to have global confirmation of this. A lot of disturbing things will occur. It's just too powerful. Skinwalker Ranch. This is like the Area 51 of the paranormal. It was not a single phenomenon. There were a host of things that happened. Have there been experiences there that have shaken the Pentagon and CIA and other agencies? Absolutely. Nobody knows what we're dealing with. That's the bottom line. Nobody knows. This is 30 or 40 hours of material that the public has never seen before. They saw this humanoid creature crawling through this tunnel, hovering four feet above the ground. Something forced four 2,000-pound bulls to cram themselves into this trailer without opening this door. It's completely impossible. I've seen things that I can't explain. This was one of the most surprising things that we recorded right after I purchased the ranch. Is it real? Oh, yes, and I believe it is. Something is here. These are real, tangible, physical events. This is game-changing. It's one thing to be reading about UFOs or other realities or interdimensionals. It's another thing to be staring at it right in the face. That's a... Oh, God. The defendant's commission of these four murders over a 10-day period is one of the worst killing sprees in the history of this state. Skin them sometimes, uh, slit them, slit them all the way open. Uh. I'm here looking for the spirits of anybody that still remains. I have a device in my hand. If you would like to talk to it, please come forward. Tell me your story. Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people, then I would have felt better. Then when I felt like I really offered society something. You are listening to Serial Spirits, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Serial Spirits, the podcast. It's me, your host, Brendan Shea, and with me is my beautiful, lovely co-host. Wait, are you, are you talking to me? 
Uh, my name's Annie Weibel. I don't know who you're talking to. AKA The Weeb. What's up, kids? How are you, Brendan Shay? I'm doing fantastic. We uh, were deviating from the norm this week. We're kind of walking. Don't we up. always? Well, yeah, but this time we're going to get into something super spooky. That's kind of the whole point, correct? Mysterious. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get away from our normal serial killer stuff and we're gonna dive into a topic that has fascinated me for years just like the mothman but uh you you wait wait, wait a second hold on weebs has got some big news here because she uh, i'll just i'll let you take it away weebs you got something to say you got something to well i don't know that it's necessarily big news but i wanted to let everybody know that since we recorded our last episode of serial spirits I have taken my live show, Are You Weebs Live, to a new platform. So we started a couple of weeks ago on Paranormal Warehouse, which is an incredible platform. So every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, you can see me live on Paranormal Warehouse. This is not just a podcast. Uh, this is a video chat where I bring in guests. We're going to talk about ghosts, uh, hauntings, cryptids. We've touched on serial killers. The first show that I did with uh, Chandler Altieri was about Ted Bundy. And so this gives listeners and viewers the chance to get on the Facebook uh, live chat and talk with us. You can post your comments in there. We've had a huge outpouring of um, you know gratitude from everybody. And it, it's been an amazing experience so far. And so uh, if you like the live shows, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. on Paranormal Warehouse. You can catch me with Are You Weeps Live. And there's a possibility that sometimes you might be able to see me. Absolutely. We're going to have some topics coming up that I want to get your perspective on. And so getting my co-host in there to uh, talk about all the weird shit that we can handle. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that. And, you know, it's it's a cool thing because Paranormal Warehouse, you know, it's a, it's a cool platform. We got a lot of friends that have shows now on there. And also, you know, we have uh, a friend that's been on there for a long time, two friends, Alex and uh, Daryl. They have the American Ghost Hunter show and they have a pretty, you know, awesome show. And they uh, it's cool to see your friends uh, succeeding at what they love to do. So. Yeah, shout out to the guys at American Ghost Hunter uh, the guys with eerie voices, Chad and Doug, who are doing awesome things over there, and a couple of our other friends, uh, Goose and Heisenberg, are getting ready yeah. to start. Goose and Max Braggins. Max Hell Braggins. Yeah. So there's so much stuff to uh, to tune into on Paranormal Warehouse. You can also see uh, live feeds. They so they've done this really cool thing that they have set up live viewing cameras in some of the most haunted locations across the United States. One of those being madison seminary yeah and actually madison is getting a lot of a lot of people watch 24 7 it's it's hilarious to watch because you get on there and see the same people and what's so great about this is that if you don't get to go to some of these places that you really want to go to you can take part in the ghost hunt by watching the live feed and we have had so much stuff from madison seminary people catching incredible evidence and uh, stuff that we can't even explain. We have no idea what's going on. And we know for a fact that people aren't in the building at the time that this is going on. So uh, it's a pretty cool thing to take part in. So check out Paranormal Warehouse. Check out some of these places that they have live cameras set up. Watch the uh, watch the footage. See if you can catch anything. Take part in the investigation. Chat with people. And also check out the great shows on Paranormal Warehouse. Okay, so Shay... Let's dive into tonight's really 
twisted topic. I, I'm going to let you introduce this one because I really just frankly don't know. I don't know how. Well, tonight's topic is a place that's been on the zeitgeist radar for years, okay? And there's been so much controversy, so much you know, scientific research put into it, so many documentaries, so many books written about it. It is the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah, okay? Do, 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 do. I feel like every time you say Skinwalker Ranch, I need to play the Twilight Zone theme. Maybe we'll throw it in there. Maybe. We'll see. It's, if you know anything about me, like, or weebs, like we, you know, people know us from the ghost hunting side of things. And we've explored many haunted places. We've experienced many unexplainable things and things that we could explain that had to do with ghost hunting. And for me, like the whole paranormal world didn't just start with ghosts. I mean, it started with everything. When I was a child, I loved everything that I could get my hands on that was mysterious, that was paranormal, anything, anything. And when I go back and I started researching a lot of stuff into Skinwalker Ranch. Now, short disclaimer, there is so much to this story that there's no way we're going to be able to cover everything. We're going to try to give you a little background, maybe a little bit of some of the things that have been seen here in our theories. And we have very disagreeing opinions about what's going on here, Annie and I, just from the discussions we've had. And we'll get into that. And that's what's the cool part about this. When I did my research on Skinwalker Ranch here, it brought me back to my childhood and it made me excited because I'm looking at the pictures of the place and it brought me back to that place where I was like, this is so incredible to be surrounded by something that's so mysterious. And it just brings so much joy to my life because it's what I love to do. And a part of me just kind of wants to step away from the whole ghost hunting scene in general and just explore everything. Go out in the woods and hunt for the Sasquatch. Go look for some UFOs in the desert. You know what I mean? Like I, It brings me so much joy to just get into these kind of topics. And normally you've heard us talk about serial killers the past couple of shows. And we wanted to kind of take you know, a break from that and get back into some of the paranormal stuff. Because this place, like I... I said before in the Mothman episode, it has intrigued me for years. I'm just going to flat out say it. What I think it has to do with is not just aliens. I think it has to do with folding space and time, interdimensional travel, like all this kind of weird stuff, because the things that have been described going on here just makes no sense. It's one big hot spot of everything you can think of. Ghosts, cryptids, UFOs, all this weird stuff in one area. So... Let's just jump right in to the Skinwalker Ranch. In autumn of 1994, the Gorman family purchased their dream ranch in a rural corner of Utah in the USA. They couldn't believe their luck when they first viewed the 480-acre property with its lush pasture, cottonwood trees, and Russian olives. They were so caught up in the beauty of the surrounding of their new home that they didn't question the reasonable price they paid for it, or the very strange clause that was built into the real estate contract, stating no digging on the land without prior warning to the previous owners. Neither were they unduly alarmed when they first entered the house and discovered that every door had large, heavy-duty deadbolts on both sides, all the windows were bolted shut, and that the previous owners had chained very large guard dogs on both ends of the house. If they had questioned some of these odd anomalies, they might never have purchased the ranch and would have avoided the terror and tragedy they endured. 
from the persistent, unexplained events that plagued them throughout the time they lived there. The family became so unsettled and confused, Mr. Gorman went public and gave an interview to the local newspaper, although he did not reveal the full extent of the torment his family had endured. However, it was enough to pique the interest of NIDS, the National Institute for the Discovery of Science, an organization founded by real estate developer Robert Bigelow, who went on to purchase the ranch. NIDS conducted a scientific study of the ranch that lasted eight years, and this culminated in the fascinating book called Hunt for the Skinwalker, written by NIDS scientist Colm Kelleher and investigative journalist George Knapp, who had authorized access to the family and ranch. Years on from that book, activity at the Skinwalker is far from over. Okay, so when you brought this story to my attention, um, I've heard some about it. Honestly, I had never researched any of it because I'm going to just throw this out there and say, I believe it's a load of horse shit. And as somebody who has, you know, been diving into the paranormal field for the last decade plus, I want to see it all. We've talked about this before. We've talked about, you know, Mothman and uh, Bigfoot and UFOs. And my motto behind all this is that I want someone to convince me that this is real. So I start doing my research into Skinwalker Ranch and you show me some of the most bizarre freaking clips that I've ever seen on the internet from people who believe in this stuff. I think, I don't know what I think. I think that some of these people um, need uh, like to check into society again because they seem not okay. But then Annie says this, when we went to Point Pleasant for the Mothman Festival and we went to go check out the TNT bunkers where it's supposedly the home of the Mothman, Annie, you know, is like, I need to see it to believe it. And sure enough, what happened to you at the Mothman? I saw something there that I couldn't explain. And you and and some of the unbelievers kind of tried to explain it to me. I still don't know what I saw. I would still like to go back. I want that I want that little winged asshole flying in my face before I'm going to believe any of it. And that's how I feel about Skinwalker Ranch well, because it's fine. so out there. It is so out there. And then I know you're going to talk about this, but the people that are involved in this story and the layers and the money, that's what gets me. That's when you start throwing millions of dollars into backing something that there is no evidence behind. There's some there's more shit going on than what they're saying. Well, I 100% agree with you, and that's why we're going to try to get to the bottom. So make me a believer. Skinwalker Ranch. That's my point in this story, is make me believe in the Skinwalker Ranch. Make me a believer. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. Okay, so it's called the Skinwalker Ranch, and basically, you know, Skinwalker is a native term. It, the term skinwalker itself is not native term. But, Correct. I'm, I'm familiar with. Yeah, okay. Right. So there's lore and legend behind all this stuff. And what's funny about all this stuff is that every culture, and this is what gets me the most about this stuff, every culture has some kind of similarity with what this being could be, okay? So if you look at back thousands of years all over the world, there's similarities in a lot of these cultures, which is funny to me because, you know, some of these people did not even know other people existed. 
right? The Mayans had no idea that the Egyptians existed, for example. You know, it was like you were in your own world. You know, you figured you were the only thing on the face of the planet. You didn't know how much, how much world there was out there to explore. And that's what's so weird is because there's so many stories of these skinwalkers. And in, what, in the Navajo culture, what a skinwalker is is a type of har- harmful witch and or medicine man who has the ability to turn into, possess, or disguise themselves as an animal. The term is not used for healers. Skinwalker in Navajo, which I cannot pronounce the word. I cannot pronounce the dialect of it. It basically means uh, by means of it or it goes on all fours. Navajo people are reluctant to reveal skinwalker lore. Non-Navajos, or to discuss it among those they do not trust. So basically what... They, they don't really talk too much about what the skinwalker is for fear of maybe that they will be turned into a skinwalker or become a skinwalker. And basically, a skinwalker is not the same as a werewolf, okay? You know, these people are fully aware that they have this ability to transform into these creatures. A skinwalker is kind of like a shapeshifter, basically, right? For lack of a better word. For, for lack of a better word, it is a shapeshifter. And most of the time, it focuses around a canine, like some kind of wolf or a coyote or dog-like creature, right? It's been termed Skinwalker Ranch just because so many of these creatures have been seen and unexplained. And what's so weird about a lot of this stuff is that there seems to be some kind of overseeing power and rules that these creatures have to follow. Just like black-eyed children, for instance. Black-eyed children, the lore of black-eyed children is that they need to be invited into some place, correct? A black-eyed kid can come knock on your door and say, hey, can I use your phone? You know what I mean? And they will not come into your house unless you say, yes, come in my house. And that's when the shit happens. That's when the shit hits the fan. I've never met one of them either. So Me I'm neither, not really but, sure. I mean, that's but the lore behind it. I would like it. to see that as well. That's the lore behind it. There's some rule overseeing power that they that controls these beings. And that's what's being seen here, too. That's some of the stuff that they've seen here. They've seen these dogs that they can't explain where these dogs are coming from. And they can only cross a certain plane, like uh, they can't jump over a fence or something like that. They stop and they they show their displeasure of not being able to pass this threshold for some reason, unless they're invited. So that's a very strange phenomenon. But like I said, a lot of the Navajos are reluctant to talk about what skinwalkers actually are. So as I said, animals associated with witchcraft usually include tricksters such as coyotes, but can include other creatures, usually those associated with bad omens. They might also possess living animals or people and walk around in their bodies by locking eyes with them. Skinwalkers may be male or female. So I could lock eyes with you is basically what they're saying. If I look you straight in the eye, I can enter your body. Correct. And then you can also control my mind. (laughs) Okay, I understand. You know, Native Americans are a very superstitious people. They have so many legends and they are very quiet about their legends. And so... I get that. And I get that this was, you know, Native American land. So my opinion and a lot of that and what you just said is that these are, um, it's Native American lore and it's been passed down from generation to generation. And they've just kind of scared the people around them shitless so that they don't encroach on their property. I mean, you're going back to, uh, you know, when the first European settlers came over here. Did you ever think that maybe Native Americans said some of this stuff so that they could try to scare people from their property? You have the telephone game that's played. You know, you got thousands of years of history and it's just, you know, 
the story changes over time, but the Anasazi were supposedly the first people on that land. And this is like thousands of years before settlers showed up. You know what I mean? The Europeans showed up. Uh, Anasazi in Navajo basically translates to enemy tribe, like enemy, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Enemy relative, something like that. They had their own stories about these shape-shifting creatures. And this is before, you know, there was any kind of threat of European settlers coming over here. So this is this has been going on for a long time. And as far as, like, these animals being seen and believed to be shapeshifters, all these other strange things happen in this area as well. Okay, so we've we've heard about the Native American history. And so the story that everybody really knows kind of in pop culture about Skinwalker Ranch happened, like, started around the 1950s and 60s, right? Yeah. Okay, so apparently from what I've read on this, this family moves into a house that's on Skinwalker Ranch, and they're going to start like a cattle farm. Basically, the land was purchased by Edith and Ken Myers, uh, and they lived there for a long time. They actually built the homestead on the property that became the house. And one of the weird things is that they, you know, had some stuff happen, but they weren't, I guess maybe the time period, it wasn't, they weren't, you know, reluctant to really let stuff be known was going on there. They, you know, they kind of kept a lot of stuff hush hush. Ken's nephew actually worked on the ranch with his uncle and he talked about weird stuff that happened there. And there's a couple books that he's, you know, in telling stories and a lot of like the telephone game, like one of the weird things about the homestead that people see when they go to this house is that there's deadbolts on everything, both inside and outside the door. Maybe these people were just super paranoid. Okay, They're out there in the middle of nowhere. And can I finish? You know, he he kind of cleans that whole like uh, story up by saying, no, the only time I seen deadbolts on anything was on the kitchen cabinets. And so there's a little bit of, well, people are saying that there's deadbolts on everything every other door, and he's saying, no, it was only on the kitchen cabinets. But who the hell has deadbolts on their kitchen cabinets? So basically what you're saying is, was the story sounded exaggerated from the beginning? Yeah, it sounded sounded exaggerated from the beginning, which, like I said, everything's a telephone game. So, you know, you pass story from story to story through generations. Of course things change. Of course things get exaggerated. But then the Shermans bought the ranch. Which, by the way, Sherman is not their real yes, name. Yes, Sherman is their real name. Well, I've read, everywhere no. I've read said that the it The Gormans was- were, they, they were reluctant to come out and tell them who they were. And when the first book was written by George Knapp, he called them the Gormans because they didn't want to come out and say, yeah, our name is Sherman. But it's Terry and, and Terry and Gwen Sherman. That's who ended up living there, living there for years. And actually got hired on by, who we'll get into... Uh, after the after they sold it off, they stayed on as farmhands to help. But they were the ones who basically brought a lot of these stories to the limelight of what exactly was going on in this place. And one of the first experiences they have involves a wolf dog like creature. They uh, the Shermans were very involved in cattle farming. Uh, he prided himself on being a husband, like an expert in husbandry, which is like breeding cattle. They brought their cattle there. They had, you know, their kids there. And all of a sudden, this dog comes out of nowhere. It's this big black dog, right? And they said it was like weird to see it, but it came right up to them. And they describe it as 
uh, larger than any dog they've ever seen and had very piercing blue eyes and it seemed very gentle and at the time this was happening it was misting or raining or something like that and they were petting the petting this creature and they remember vividly because they could smell the wet dog i mean they smelled it smelled like a wet dog and they said the creature was very gentle they didn't feel very threatened by it which is weird because you see a big gigantic dog come out of the woods why the hell would you go you know pet it first of all but their kids are petting it and out of nowhere, it just calmly strolls over to the fence and grabs a hold of one of the baby cows and just starts ripping its face apart. And so uh, the Shermans, they grab guns and they start shooting at this wolf. And it's not its not doing anything. It's not affecting it at all. He shoots it with a three fifty seven Magnum. Nothing. No, no, like the thing's just still attacking this this calf. And so he goes and he gets a hunting rifle and starts shooting it. And then it starts to affect it and it starts running away. But calmly. It's not like, oh, scared, I'm going to run away. It's calmly leaving. So they trace it into the uh, the Badlands or wherever the hell they're tracing it. And they just, out of nowhere, it's gone. Just completely vanished. No more tracks, no more blood, no nothing. Just completely gone. Okay, so you want to hear my opinion now of this? Sure. It was just a wolf. It was just a wolf that came out of the desert somewhere. You're in the middle of freaking nowhere. and But they weren't native to that area. That was the other thing too. They those those types of hybrid wolves were not native to that area. Wait, how do you know it's a hybrid? Because that's how they described it. They said it okay. was like it was like gigantic wolf. So again, you're talking about just somebody's word and think about it. It's nighttime, you see this wolf come out of the woods. Oh my god, it's the biggest it was, damn animal I've ever like seen daytime. in my life. It was daytime. Well, you said it was dark and it was misting. No, I said it was misting. It was like it was rain like almost like a rain. And now we're playing the telephone game again. See, this is my point exactly in all of this. My opinion is that these people were on this ranch in the middle of nowhere. This big damn animal comes out of the uh, the the plains or desert, wherever they are. It starts to attack their animals. And when you shoot large animals like that, they're not always affected with small caliber weapons. It wasn't small caliber. Okay, so, but you look at these animals like, okay, you go to a zoo and they have some of these enormous wolves, which you say they're not native to the land, but you're out in the middle of nowhere. People would also say, you know, I live in West Virginia and my grandfather always used to say there were wild cats out in the woods and everybody thought he was just full of it until they actually started emerging, you know. They were just traveling. They were drifting. It could have been passing through. It could have been, you know. People are now, you know, they've settled this land and and everything is kind of coming out of the woodwork. My opinion is it was just this big freaking wolf who came out trying to get a meal. And when they shot at it, it was large. It didn't pierce its skin. You said that the the large caliber hunting rifle hurt it. It limps off into the woods and, and disappears. Well, it probably went into a cave somewhere because it's injured just like animals do. Yeah, you 100% are correct. You know, you don't know what's out there in the wilderness. Hence, there still could be a Bigfoot because no one no one knows. There's thousands of acres of land that have never been explored. But to say that these wolves were some weird creatures from another dimension, I, I, I fail to believe Those that. words did not come out of my mouth. I know what you're thinking because no, I see through I'm, your brain. I'm telling the story. Okay, so that's the first part of the story. Um, I have yet to be convinced, so please continue. Okay, so 
The Shermans had a, an array of very strange events the whole time that they lived here. A lot of things that they could not explain. Okay? One very strange occurrence uh, happened when they started seeing a RV show up on their property. Okay? It was an RV, and it was like weird-shaped, but they, th- they saw a man inside this RV. Okay? Now, it could have been Walter White, you know... <laughs> cooking meth that blue meth we we don't know that's exactly where it happened so i'm just gonna that that's the end of that story yeah. right so there. so one of the stories is that they seen this 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 rv show up on the property so terry sherman's like oh we can't have this shit you know i mean that you're not going to come here on my property you know so he and his son start chasing after this though chase you know running up to the rv to find out who this person is and unbeknownst to them whoever's inside this rv shaped thing sees them coming towards him and the rv lifts up off the ground and flies above the tree line and disappears and the tree line was supposedly 50 feet in the air so did they see a ufo i don't know but this is what he described you know what i mean the mental image that i just got was cousin eddie from christmas vacation and the rv and then mixed with him from Independence Day. And literally, he just gets into this RV. My and intergalactic it, shitter was full. <laughs> and it just takes flight. Well, what was... He, he had a great line in Independence Day. Up yours! <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Oh, uh, yeah. that's I forgot he was in Independence Day, actually. Yeah, that's that's Probably his finest hour. That's Sorry, pretty... please continue. Thank you, Cousin Eddie, for saving the world. <laughs> <sighs> so, you know, this whole time, you know, the, the Shermans are, are living with this, but they, you know, they own this gigantic property, and it's a beautiful piece of land, and it's perfect for their, for their cattle farming, and they continue on with this weird phenomena. So to get back to the RV story, okay, Terry Sherman goes out of town. I don't know what his business was, either had something to do with the cattle farming or something, but he, he leaves town, okay? And so uh, Gwen is on the property by herself, and she leaves the property. And as she's coming back to the property, they have one entrance. It's a locked gate. And she starts seeing this UFO following her. And it's like, hovering above her and she's like freaked out because she's never seen anything like this on the property yet so she pulls up to the gate she unlocks the gate and she hurries up and runs back to her car gets inside and this craft is above her just hovering so she's freaked completely freaked out so she gets to the house and the craft disappears okay so she's there all day and she happens to walk to the kitchen window and she looks out the kitchen window and about i'd say 150 yards from where the kitchen window is, she sees this RV. And the RV has a light on inside the RV. And inside, she can see a man sitting there at what looks like a desk. But he's got this weird, like, headgear. I don't know if he had braces or what, but he had this headgear on, right? So she calls in a panic, calls her husband, please come back, please come back. This RV is here. I don't know what it's doing. I don't know who's in there, but I'm freaked out. Can you come back? So... Terry Sherman makes the trip back, and when he gets back, it's daylight, it's morning, and they go out to the area where she saw the RV, and there is these gigantic footprints that they cannot explain. And there's snow on the ground at this point. And what they describe the footprints looking as, almost like a, like, it's 18 inches long, and it's almost like a high heel. And it's got, like, a a front, like, 
almost like kind of like a hoof kind of thing. And the whole back looks, it just gets skinnier. Like somebody who's wearing high heels. It could have been like. So you had a fancy alien. Or it could have just been people going out to the desert to do some freaky deaky stuff, cross-dressing. I don't know. In their Louboutins. Yeah, but she swears she saw a man with some kind of headgear or helmet on. So that's another crazy weird story. But what I'm more interested in about all this stuff that's happening here is these weird shaped lights that they see everywhere. And, you know, I, I've i never read the book Hunt for the Skinwalker. And the person who, who brought this to the forefront, right, he's been known all over the world for his, uh, his wormhole of weirdness that he gets into, George Knapp. And he also has a scientist, a PhD doctor, Calm Kelleher, and they both write this book, Hunt for the Skinwalker. And they actually just released a documentary, uh, George Knapp did, um, talking about a lot of the phenomenon. It's supposed to be a really good documentary. He's the one who tells a lot of these stories, and he, like I said, firsthand was the one who talked about calling them the Gormans at first, and then the Shermans outed themselves and just said, yeah, we're, we're our last name Sherman. Like, we have no problem telling the story now, because I think at first they were afraid that whatever was happening there was going to follow them to wherever they are now. So all these weird things continue to happen to the Shermans while they're living there. They're seeing these strange wolves and dogs, and that, that one incident wasn't the first one. They've seen, uh, happened a couple other times. Um, they had weird phenomenon happening with stuff moving on them. Uh, there was one story where he had this gigantic metal post hole digger, right? It weighed like 70, 80 pounds. And he was yelling at his son, what'd you do with the post hole digger? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. And the post hole digger was gone. It was just mysteriously gone. This thing weighed 70 pounds, right? Uh, amidst of this whole post hole scenario, there was all these piles of metal, Okay, like these rods or whatever. And he asked his son and his nephew, his nephew actually worked here too. It's a weird coincidence that Ken Meyer's nephew worked on the property and so did Terry Sherman's nephew. He ended up working on the property with them. So his nephew and his son were tasked one day to move hundreds of pounds of metal from one spot to another. So that was their chore. So uh, Terry had gone out for the day. He came back and these kids had spent four or five hours moving all these this pile of metal, right? They probably moved it 50 to 60 yards from where it was. Terry gets home. He sees the metal is not exactly where it was, but close to where it was. And he goes in and he yells at his son, like, I told you guys to move this thing. He's like, dad, we spent five hours doing this. Like, I swear to God, we like spent five hours moving this stuff. And they go out there and it's almost in the same exact spot where it originally was. Maybe that's not too weird because it's kids telling the story. But the weird part is, a couple days later, they find the post hole digger. And guess where the post hole digger is? In that pile of metal. No. 20 feet in the air in a tree. And how'd that thing got up there? I don't know. But it was 20 feet in the air in a tree. And Did the thing they ever weighed take... like 70 pounds. Are there pictures of this anywhere? There are a lot of pictures. They have a lot of documented of the post pictures hole digger in a i train. don't know if he took a picture of the post hole digger but a lot of the weird phenomena that they experience they do have pictures of because i've seen pictures that they took of these wolves the you know the the interdimensional a, a creature no one aliens, said they were interdimensional whatever. wolves weebs they look just like regular wolves well they look really big for regular wolves i mean they okay, are well they, they could gigantic. be really big they could be really big wolves well Why don't we take a break and uh, we'll get back into some more creepy tales from Skinwalker Ranch. 
Hey guys, this is Annie Weebs, co-host of Serial Spirits Podcast. And if you love all things paranormal, join me at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Tuesday on Paranormal Warehouse for Are You Weebs Live, a live interactive Facebook chat with some of the biggest names in the paranormal and true crime fields. Are You Weebs Live, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. only on Paranormal Warehouse. Okay, so... As you well hear, we haven't convinced Weebs of shit yet. Weebs is over here just throwing out her, her me's and her me, getting all upset because... I don't think that's what it sounds like at all. I think it sounds like a rational person trying to rationalize well, something yeah, it that is. sounds and that's very why, sensationalized. That's why when I set everything up to record, I lit the white flame candle for you. So we would feel calm and serene. You're not a virgin. It doesn't count. No, that's the black flame candle. Oh, true. Sorry. But that's my hocus pocus candle. I I am a virgin. Okay. Well, there's another tall tale that we've heard for the day. (laughs) So we're going to get back into Skinwalker Ranch here. So we left off. The last story we heard was about the uh, mysterious post hole digger that ended 20 feet in the air that there's no photographic evidence of anywhere photograph well we don't know that there might be i don't know maybe it's in a film somewhere that sherman's got it if anybody knows where it is please send it to us i would like so we're gonna get into a couple more stories and then weeby's gonna get into uh the guy who purchased the ranch after the shermans for scientific research now at this time though as i may say there became a lot of interest in this area because of the stories that were coming out. And so there was a group of scientists who were living alongside the Shermans on this property uh, at this time who were doing this research. And so they did record and witness a lot of strange things. And one of these strange things they witnessed was these glowing orbs of light, okay? And they seen these lights everywhere. And one of the weird things they described is seeing these glowing orbs of light. They seem to just 
I don't know, entrance people, like almost like, like uh, hypnotize because they, some of the descriptions were you've seen these glowing blue orbs of light that almost like they had molten liquid inside of it. They had some kind of electric sound where it was like, zzz, like buzzing, like static electricity, which, you know, makes sense because a lot of stuff you hear about orbs, like uh, it's supposed to be some kind of energy. And that would make sense for the description, you know, because I've seen weird light phenomenon too. And, you know, it always feels like there's some static charge around the area when you witness this stuff. But So they're talking about something that basically sounds like the northern lights in Alaska, right? No, these are actually glowing orbs of light that come and float like around them, around their house. And one of the stories was they had this glowing orb of light. They kept seeing it and it kept messing with them all day. And the Shermans became very scared, like almost like they were entranced. And when this thing went away, it was almost like a relief. Like they were like, oh my God, what just happened? So later on, and now it's nighttime, okay? Now at nighttime, they're in their house. And they start seeing this glowing orb of light circling around the windows. Like it's like, you know, watching them and stalking them, basically. The dogs, uh, the dogs that, uh, Terry Sherman had were uh, blue healers. They were cattle dogs. And he had these three dogs that were his favorite. They were his prized dogs. And they started freaking out. Like every time anything happened around here, the dogs freaked out. But he was reluctant to let his dogs chase anything. This time he had had enough. And he said, you know what? I'm just going to let them out there and see what happens. So this blue light takes off in the woods and the dogs chase after him, right? And he, you know, it's nighttime. He's like, I don't want to go out there because I'm scared of what's going to happen. And he hears the dogs off in the distance, barking, barking, barking. Then he hears three loud yelps of, you know, when a dog gets like hurt or something and he hears nothing else the rest of the night. So he's like, man, it's really dark. I don't want to be trumpsing through the property, finding something that I don't want to find. You know, I don't know what's out there. So I'm just going to wait till morning. So daylight breaks and he treks out to go find the area where he last heard his dogs. And he comes up to this area, this open field, and he sees these three black greasy spots in this like prairie grass area. And he thinks that that was his three dogs because he never saw the dogs again for the rest of the time that he lived there. Okay, so let's interject right here. And I'm going to say, if you love your animals that much, like if he really loved these dogs, you're not going to just send them off into the wild in the middle of the night and hear that they're hurt and then be like, oh, guys, fake it's, news because I've heard stories really of people do. Dark. Like, dogs not- are there to protect people. I mean, that's like, that's one of the things. And you just get to a point like, my dog just got hurt. Am I going to run out there and risk my own life like no yes. I'm, I'm not no i'm not if you love your animals that much you do i well, could never sick gracie and butters on anything of that nature and then just know that they're out there and they're hurt and just leave them well i i probably could especially if there was a chance that there was these blue orbs of light that were gonna like probe me in the butt or something like that you know uh, yeah i i 100 probably would have just did the same thing well then you know what he was a I don't even want to say the word P U S Y. I promise when this episode is over, me and Weebs will still will still love each other. You don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't know that. You're right. No, I'm just saying. I find so, I find this so very hard to believe because to me, 
there's no evidence of any of this stuff anywhere. It's just but story. But there is evidence. And you're going to get into Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo buying oh, the property. Okay, so... Hold on. I got one more story that's crazy, okay? okay? A couple times in this whole realm of... Or this whole era of the Shermans owning the property, there was one instance, one story, where Terry Sherman saw this orange glowing orb of light. And it was off in the distance in the sky. And he's watching this thing with a, you know, he had seen it quite a few times, but now he's like, I'm interested. So he's got his night vision scope out one night. He's sitting there on his porch and he's looking at this thing through a night vision scope. And this thing opens up and he sees this thing moving towards it, like moving towards the hole. And this triangular UFO comes out of this opening in the sky and flies above him and he's like what the heck was that and they had seen this triangle shaped ufo and it's weird because it was right around the time that the um the stealth bomber was like becoming famous so could it have been the stealth bomber yeah but there's also a fort that's pretty close to where you know skinwalker ranch is could it have been that yeah most likely could have been that you know i'm not saying that it couldn't be but that's what that's what's weird about is the government has all these weird tests that they do and it's all like covered up and everything like that that's just weird in itself so there was another instance where he saw this orange light again and it was nighttime and this thing opened up right in front of him and what did he see on the other side blue sky he saw blue sky as if he was looking into another dimension or what i tend to believe is it could have been almost like thanos right thanos got the tesseract infinity stone and then Thanos was able to bend space and time and go wherever he wanted, anytime. Do you think the aliens have the Infinity Stone? It's a possibility. And we might have to send the Avengers out to find it. You just brought a Marvel comic into something that you are trying to prove to me is it's scientifically based, accurate. But it's all based on all these theories. Like, that's what that is. It's based on, like, the, the Tesseract is you're able to fold space and time. That's what the whole theory is. Like, and there's, you know... We don't understand everything about space. There could be. There could be wormholes that you can bend space and time and you can travel from one place to another. Has somebody figured out how to do that? We don't know. We'll never know because Stan Lee's dead. You know, I read a thing today and they were talking about, to get off some topic here, uh, they were talking about, for all Stan Lee's cameo in upcoming Marvel movies, they were going to have Deadpool take take his spot that would be sweet i think that's a good idea i think that brings some comic relief into it i think stan would have enjoyed that yeah oh yeah so can we now get into what i consider is the most ridiculous part of this story going beyond orbs of light and flying cousin eddie and um enormous dire wolves yes 100 percent. okay so the Sherman's eventually sell this property in the mid 90s to this guy named Robert Bigelow. Robert Bigelow is a billionaire. He owns a chain of um, hotels called Budget Suites, and he bought Skinwalker Ranch from the Sherman's for $200,000. Chump change. Like reaches in his pocket, hands the Sherman's, you know, $200,000. Like, I'm going to take this and I'm going to make it into a paranormal research institute. So when you go back and you start looking at Robert Bigelow's um, background, 
He had been obsessed with UFO phenomena since he was a kid. His family members, they lived in outside of Vegas, and they reported seeing lights and phenomena there. And so he's this eccentric millionaire. Vegas, baby. Like the guy who built Jurassic Park, who had more money and time than he knew what else to do with. And so he buys Skinwalker Ranch and decides that he is going to study paranormal research there. Bigelow Aerospace. So, the National Institute for the Discovery of Science, which operated until 2004, was the place that Bigelow uh, helped found around Skinwalker. The organization was later replaced by the Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Space Studies. This guy owned freaking hotels. What the hell made him um, capable of owning an aerospace place just besides money money interest i mean you know you've seen people who you that start things that they have an interest in and they just they figure out how to do it i mean people do it all the time look at todd matthews todd matthews worked as a mechanic now he's doing all this research to find missing but this is real people. life stuff these are missing people this is quantified but still, but still it's if you have enough interest in something, you can you can accomplish anything. Okay, so in 2007, this what they call unclassified government program, the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program, began investigating UFOs in this area. The program had a $22 million budget, and Robert Bigelow received the majority of that money. It was a business endeavor. It was a business endeavor. Of course based it's a business endeavor. Based on his interest that he had there and so then in 2016 skinwalker ranch was sold for 4.5 million dollars to adamantium holdings which they called a shell wolverine wolverine had adamantium skeleton a shell corporation of unknown origin so a conglomerate you just brought marvel into this too i didn't leave logan out of this he has nothing to do with this so right after that, um, the public road that went through the property was closed off and it's now guarded. So basically, this millionaire who had more money than he had since because he owns hotels, because he has an interest in UFOs, buys this property for literally chump change out of his pocket and moves all this stuff in there, this aerospace. It, it just sounds so far-fetched. And what does he do with it now? What what's happening there now? There's research, there's scientific research still going on there, and like you said, the property is closed to the public, and I guess you will be uh, hunted down and arrested, and who knows what else will happen to you if you sneak onto the property? Then you how have do to you have know? Special permission. How do you know that it's scientific research? How do you know? Here's my theory. That's just what people say. I, I don't my, know. So here's my theory. I've lived on military bases before. So what this sounds like to me was Robert Bigelow had money and he met up with the right people, the right governmental agency. He saw profit in this. He handed them $200,000 because, yeah, these people may have been scared, but for that piece of property, it may have been a decent price. Who knows? So he hands them this money and then he sees this opportunity to reach out to some type of governmental agency because, like you said, Fort Duquesne is there. So you've got the fort that's nearby there. Basically, they they build their security around this place. And now they're using it for, I think it's governmental type um, 
investigations, agencies, whatever you want to call it, not not a Roswell, but they've they've quarantined this place off for whatever reason. And now it's the government who has control of it. Robert Bigelow, you know, sold his portion, made some money on it. And it's just protected by the government now because it's close to Fort Duquesne. And they're probably doing some top secret shit that they don't want people to know about. Well, you said, you know, people get in the right positions to do things and they have money. Like look at Tom DeLonge from Blink-182. That dude legit is involved with all this governmental extraterrestrial stuff. And it came out like when they did the whole uh, WikiLeaks with Hillary Clinton, he was named in some of the, the emails because he had been emailing John Podesta about all this shit. Like, and I guess it's legit. Like he's legitimately working with government officials or ex-government officials to like do all this research because he's saw an opportunity, got money and whatever. I, I don't think that just because you have money that you're some scumbag, whatever, like you can generally, this guy generally had an interest in this stuff. And maybe he, uh, if, if I had the money, I'd buy the piece of property and be like, yeah, I'm closing it down to the public and I'm going to look for UFOs. But someone saw that as an opportunity. They found someone who was a billionaire who had this interest in it and they capitalized on it. And probably it was the United States government capitalizing on it. Well, you know what the government capitalizes on everything they can capitalize. Exactly. So I think they purchased this property or he purchased this property from these people that just really wanted to get rid of it. And then it turned into some type of governmental research facility. Well, the whole thing, you know, my big thing about a lot of this stuff is, you know, we're, we're huge into saving history and keeping history alive is that this was sacred native land for hundreds and thousands of years before settlers even came over. And we took this land from Native Americans. And we have to keep that in mind, too, that a lot of, you know, a lot of this stuff is sacred and it's part of their religion and it's part of their, their culture. And we kind of get thrown for a loop when you put all this other paranormal stuff in there. But we, we also got to remember that that's part of it, too, and that, you know, maybe this is why they're reluctant to tell some of these stories or whatever, because they... They just want it to be part of their culture still and don't want it to be become some phenomena that everybody, you know, capitalizes on. Okay, so to kind of wrap up all the many thoughts that we've thrown out there, I think my best piece of advice for anyone who, like me, is still unconvinced of the occurrences at the Skinwalker Ranch is to go to their official website at Skinwalker Ranch. Dot org, And it literally lays out all these puzzle pieces for you. Yeah, it has a timeline of events, too. I'm pretty There's sure. a timeline. There are the key players. So the people who have owned the property, the you know, whatever they're doing with it now, all of the different entities and it, the range of the stuff that they're talking about here. It's not just the UFO phenomena and the wolves. They talk about water babies and the Cthulhu creature that's like a huge worm like the thing on tremors yeah not, there's actually huge, there's actually a, a reservoir right there that they filled up I think in the 50s it's called bottle hollow reservoir and how it got its name is like settlers and cowboys or whatever that as they would leave you know because this was open unlawed land so you could do basically whatever you want and they would leave these little towns and brothels and they take their empty bottles and throw them down this ravine and that's where it got its name but they've had a lot of weird crazy things like there was a documented case of a woman who drowned and supposedly her boyfriend jumped in to save her and he was fighting off this big black serpent 
that is supposed to have been seen there, which is weird because, you know, this was a man-made reservoir was filled up. So where did this big black serpent come from? But he's not the only one who's, you know, that's not the only story of this being seen. So this whole area is like got a lot of weird stuff, but sorry to interrupt. Weeps, go ahead. No, I'm just looking through some of the pictures now. Um, and, and some of them seem so, I, you you just have to get on there and look at this stuff for yourself because it looks to me like people are just kind of grasping at straws here. There's a picture of a wolf. This monstrosity was seen erratically walking the cliffs near the ranch. It just looks like a wolf. Some of the stories, too, they've seen wolves walking bipedal, too. Almost like a werewolf. Are they sure it just wasn't a super hairy person? Yeah, it could have been. Could have been super hairy person. Could have been Cousin Eddie. We don't know. So the photo of this black triangle looks very much like a stealth bomber. I mean, I'm literally just flipping through the pages here. So I guess my piece of advice kind of in closing from my perspective is I am not at all convinced that anybody has experienced things here that could not be explained away by um, things that occur in nature and governmental agencies who saw an opportunity to go in and take over a big piece of land and do their research. For me, I'm a little more, you know, I I do think seeing is believing sometimes, and I think, you know, there's rational explanation for things. But I also believe that we're in, we're selfish to think that we are the only living things in this entire universe. And I think there's a lot of stuff that we don't understand or that we'll never understand. And this could be one of them phenomenas that it's beyond our capabilities as human beings to understand. I go back to quote from the Mothman prophecies, uh, one of the scenes where the main character, John Klein, goes to the city of Chicago to see this doctor asking him about this book that was written about this Mothman phenomena. And he says, he asks him, he goes, what, what, what do they want? And he, the doctor looks at him and says, do you explain yourself to a cockroach? And that's how I always approach these situations. Like, you don't walk over a bug and explain your existence to it. You just coexist. So we're bugs in the universe, basically. Yeah, could be. We could be. I'm not saying that it's not possible at all. I'm just saying it's going to take a little more convincing than Skinwalker Ranch. So thanks for tuning in to another episode of Serial Spirits, the podcast. We hope we got your gears moving in your brain and if you get a chance check out some of this stuff it's interesting and uh we really really appreciate everyone who's given us support and time and listen to the podcast and please please if there's any facts that we don't get right hit us up let us know also give us reviews uh we have pages set up on now soundcloud and podbean uh you can look for us serial spirits so please take the time follow us let us know what you think of the show, both positive and negative. And, uh, you know, we're, we're open to any suggestions for topics for the show. So until next time, we will see you guys soon. Any closing thoughts, weebs? Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Serial Spirits Podcast. Follow us on all your social media apps, facebook.com slash Serial Spirits, on Twitter at Serial Spirits. Listen to us on all podcasting platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, 
iHeartRadio, wherever you subscribe. Follow us on our mothership at paranormalwarehouse.com. Until next time, be aware and be safe. Thank you.